Welcome to Courage and Spice. This is the podcast for humans with self-doubt. I'll share evidence-based resources and teach you proven coaching tools to help you transcend your self-doubt. I'm Sass Petherick, a master coach and founder of the Self-Belief Coaching Academy. I'm so glad you're here. Let's do this. Hello everyone, it is episode 89. This is my birthday week. I am 48 this week and I thought I would do an episode sharing some big birthday thoughts. I don't know, I sort of just had this idea that I would share kind of what is sitting on top for me right now and some dude started a chainsaw a couple of minutes ago and but I don't, I just need to record this because I need to get it out there. It's my last like working day before I have a little holiday for my birthday. So here we are. This may end up being a bit of a sweary rant from a middle-aged woman. (laughs) It may be just me blabbing down a microphone. I hope it's helpful. I have five thoughts, five big birthday thoughts to share with you. I'm not sure how long this is going to be, but it's just I made some notes and it's just the things that I'm thinking about around my 48th birthday by Sass Petherick, aged 48. Okay, number one, life is ridiculous. I keep coming back to this every time I get a bit serious or I try and take myself a bit seriously. Life is ridiculous. I don't think we should ever forget this. Like, just think about the thoughts you think every day, the expectations that you have of yourself the expectations you have of other people, the expectations that we think other people have of us. Ridiculous. All of it's entirely made up. Life is made up. Like, this is the thing. When you start actually looking at what's real, it's crazy. Just think of all the things that we've made up. Money, concepts of good and bad, right and wrong, gender, time. Well, time is a thing, but quarter past four, totally made up. The borders of countries. God, binaries, like we've organized our entire existence around things that are entirely imaginary. And to add to this ridiculousness, the only livable planet within a squillion light years, as far as we know, our home, planet Earth, we are slowly and steadily destroying. And we all know that we're doing that. It's ridiculous. Like, I think about aliens quite a lot, and I sometimes imagine that, like, eight-dimensional beings are watching us, but they're like, what the fuck are you all doing? Like, let's not rush in. Let's wait and see what they do. Because if you were watching us, you'd be like, I'm not sure this is my kind of scene. So I'm imagining that these eighth-dimensional beings are like, well, time is meaningless, so maybe in a thousand years, if they're still here, we'll pop back for a visit. So life is ridiculous. The way we live is just maddening. And I think that it brings me on to number two, which is that whoever we think we are, it's not even close. Right. So not only is life ridiculous, but we are ridiculous. (laughs) One of my favorite philosophers is a guy called Alan Watts. And he said that trying to define yourself is like trying to bite your own teeth. And I think about this quite a lot as we are in this super interesting time of everybody trying to identify themselves. Like we have these labels for every aspect of our identity. I'm vegan, I'm Tory, I'm polyamorous, I'm pro-life, I'm Scorpio rising. It's kind of 
fascinating. Like we're all just yelling at each other. This is me. This is not me. I do this too. I'm so here for it. I discovered the Enneagram during lockdown and I was like, yes, I am a three. Who are all the threes? I mean, it's it's crazy, right? Because who are we actually saying these things to? Because it feels like we've all just got this constant bat signal flashing above our minds, right? This is me. Are you like me? If you're like me, you'll probably like me. And it just feels like this never-ending quest to belong. But I can also see that we cling to identities that are pretty rubbish, ones that don't really serve us, right? Like, I never finish things. I have an anxious attachment style. You need to keep reassuring me. Tell me how important I am. You know, I'm a hot mess. I'm a perfectionist. And these are not facts. These are not identities that are fixed. Like nothing is really fixed. There are no unchangeable qualities. The only thing that's kind of guaranteed, I guess, is that we'll keep growing. And so I just love the idea of changing the stories of who you're allowed to be, who you say you're allowed to be. Because when you stop using stories like labels, identities to describe yourself, we find that our mate Alan was right. It's like trying to bite your own teeth. You can't do it. You have to kind of shed these labels and identities to get to the heart of things. And that means you shed ideas and sometimes entire selves that you don't need anymore. And it means you'll probably shed other people too, because we're no longer trying to fit in with everybody else, which can be super painful. And that's the thing about growth that no one really tells us, that it often involves so much loss, right? But when we let go of trying to fit in in places, trying to identify ourselves and belong to other people, we get to number three which is that really at the heart of things, each of us is a complete fucking miracle. For serious. Like I did the science on this. I found this reference guide. And here's the thing. The odds that your parents meet is 1 in 20,000. There's a 1 in 10 chance that they talk to each other, a 1 in 10 chance that they go on a second date, and another 1 in 10 chance that they keep dating for a while, and a total coin toss if they stay together and create offspring, create you. So the odds that your parents meeting results in a kid is 1 in 2,000. The combined odds of all of those things adding up is 1 in 40 million. So that's the size of the population of California. Your mother had about 100,000 eggs in her lifetime and dad makes about 4 trillion sperm during the years that you could have been born. The odds that that egg met the sperm which made you is 1 in 400 quadrillion. So that's approximately the volume in cubic meters of the Atlantic Ocean. And because your existence here now on planet Earth, the planet we are killing, presupposes another supremely unlikely and utterly undeniable chain of events, right? That every single one of your ancestors lived to reproductive age, going all the way back to the first single-celled organism, We are each a representative of an unbroken lineage of life that goes back 4 billion years. So the odds that your lineage remained unbroken 
for the length of human existence, that a child will be born and grow and reproduce per generation for 150,000 generations. That's one in 10 to the power of 45,000. So that's a 10 with 45,000 zeros after it. So that number is not just larger than all the particles in the universe, it's larger than all the particles in the universe if each particle itself was a universe. So the odds that you exist at all are basically zero, right? Doesn't that just blow your freaking mind? So all of this stuff about manifesting and creating miracles and all of that stuff, like you are already fucking magic. This is the thing to keep remembering. The odds that you exist at all are zero. That's the miracle. And this brings me to number four, which is all about the meaning of life. I think we're just here to become who we are. We already won the lottery by being born. We are the miracle. And becoming who we are looks different for all of us. There's no one thing, right? There's no one me that I have to become. What I notice is that there are patterns that keep showing up. So it's definitely for me about how to be myself and how to connect with others, honoring my need for autonomy and freedom. I'm really happy on my own. And I know that loving and being loved is the only way I can grow. And there's another theme for me about just being ordinary versus being extraordinary. Like really practicing loving what I have, something that I just have always felt really edgy about. If I just accept what I have, does that mean I never create anything more? But I have this real intimacy with life right now that I'm loving. And yet I know that there is this ambition and desire to have an impact that is peeking at me around the corner. So that's always been a constant theme for me. How do I create a life that honors both? And this idea of binaries, right, that I can easily set myself up with just only two options. And I try to remember all the time that I can play in the middle. That's really where the fun is. So becoming who you are is going to look completely different to that. But it's the practicing in the middle and practicing on your edges, your growth edges. I think that's where meaning comes in, where the fun of just being alive gets to be expressed. So if you're super resilient, you could just let yourself fall apart for a bit. If you're controlling, practice surrender. If you're a perfectionist, be as imperfect as you can imagine. If you're a dreamy kind of person that you never finish things, then get something done. If you're locked in regret, forgive yourself. If you feel like you're constantly seeking the answer, practice tuning into your own intuition. And if you're super attached to your identities, play with alternative fantasy realities. I have at least half a dozen of these where in one, I'm like a pagan lesbian in the conscious community at Salmon Creek Farm in the States. I love their Instagram account. And I've got another where I'm a lonely heiress and I play the violin in an orchestra and I live at the Barbican. And there's one where I have about five kids in a ramshackle farmhouse in Wales So if I ever feel like I'm missing out on something, if I ever feel envious of someone, I've come to just practice like creating alternative timeline fantasy realities to play with what's possible. 
to see what that would actually feel like. To just live in that kind of existence for a while is fun. Playing with all the possibilities is fun. And I think that brings me to the fifth big birthday thought, which, you know, playing with the possibilities is fun because I think this is the end. It does feel like what we're living through right now is for any person who's going to define it, the apocalypse. And an apocalypse just means to take the cover off, to reveal or disclose. It's We shouldn't get it confused with Armageddon. So it feels to me like the structures and the systems are all being revealed, right? Racism, misogyny, financial structures, the billionaires and their cock rockets, inequality, our health systems, our food chain, the way we work, all the crazy shit we believe, see point number one, like all of it is being revealed in a way that I can't have imagined we would be here a decade ago, maybe even five years ago. Something is ending. And I don't know if this is because I grew up sort of in the Cold War in the 80s. That was when I sort of became conscious of being a person. But since around the age of about six, I've always thought that the end would come in my lifetime, like something would end in my lifetime. I can remember having insomnia for several years as like a really young kid from the age of about seven to nine. And I felt like I had to be on watch in case a nuclear bomb dropped. Like, it's so weird. (laughs) But I can remember reading The Stand, that Stephen King book, when I was about 13. It felt so familiar to me. And this is about a pandemic called Captain Trips that kills most people and the survivors begin dreaming of either Mother Abigail or Randall Flagg and they make their way towards either of them. And I was really heavily invested in this story. It totally came alive for me. And I have sort of been obsessed with post-apocalyptic stories ever since. So yeah, I do think this is the apocalypse. I think that something is ending. And because of all of these structures being revealed to us, we can't maintain this group delusion. It's all breaking down. I've no idea what happens next. I really hope that we do defund the police. I hope that we totally change our our food chains and our systems of work. I hope we decentralise control of all kinds and start responding to the needs of our actual communities. I hope we find ways of creating truly green energy. And I know that even at age 48, I am still my teenage self. I'm an optimist and a progressive, probably an idealist, But it's not beyond the realms of possibility, right, that we rebuild something that's better. And, you know, in the Daily Mail this morning, yeah, I read the Daily Mail, see point two, change your identity. But there is a story that five sites in the UK are being earmarked for a nuclear fusion reactor. And don't confuse this with nuclear energy. Nuclear fusion is essentially the process that's used to create stars. It's seen as kind of the holy grail of green energy. And I remember first reading about this around about eight years ago because I included it in an interview with Martha Beck. And the article that I'd read at the time said that eight years ago, Americans were spending more on clothes for their pets than research into nuclear fusion. And yet here we are. So there is just so much to hope for. So here I am, age 48. I have no idea what the next year looks like. 
I have some ideas around my business and my work that I'm truly excited about. I'm going to be spending my birthday in a cabin in the woods with my favorite human and my dog. We'll be rowing on a lake and roasting marshmallows on a fire pit and playing Scrabble and reading books, which are some of my favorite things to do. And that feels pretty sweet to me. So yeah, 48 isn't bad. And these are my big birthday thoughts. (laughs) I hope this was fun to listen to. It may have just been a crazy middle-aged woman's rant, but I'm okay with that too. Hey, if you're listening and you're fed up with the ways that self-doubt holds you back, I want you to check out Self-Belief Coach Match. You can work with an experienced practitioner I've personally trained. I believe with everything I have that you deserve to find out what's possible for you on the other side of self-doubt. Like how much more peaceful would your life be if you had someone in your corner who was helping you make sense of the very good reasons why you have self-doubt? What would it mean to make choices from a place of wanting to give something a go rather than worrying if you're capable, experienced, qualified or thin enough? How amazing would it be to just embrace some of the confidence of Brad from Accounts? And look, if you have toothache, you don't judge yourself for not being able to fix it, do you? Of course not. You're like, my face hurts and it's all I can think about. You sure don't take that dentist money and go buy face cream and a pair of jeans and think this will work. So why do that with self-doubt? Work with an experienced, trained, skilled professional. It's time to make sense of your self-doubt and go after your dreams. Just have a little look at selfbelief.school backslash match.